Hello and welcome to a very special Thanksgiving episode of the Aaron Crane Podcast. Today is Thanksgiving 2023, and I came into the studio today because it's not it's rare that this person who I'm going to talk to gets to come to Chicago and spend some time with me. So I'm going to introduce you to somebody who's who's related to me. So, you know, I've had a lot of family members on the show when I first started. And then I said, enough, I'm not going to have any family members on the show because that was too silly. But this family member is different because he's actually a crane, not a, not a Levy, you know. So, everybody, I want you to meet the magnanimous Maxwell Franklin Crane. There he is. Maxwell, how are you this morning? I'm, I'm fantastic. I, I do realize that uh, your intro, I could be anyone related to you. I could, I could be your dad. I could be your brother. Yeah, you could, but it's you. Yeah. And it, for, for my listeners, Maxwell is my brother's oldest son, my oldest nephew, right? And I'm his favorite uncle. Isn't that right, Maxwell? You are one of them, I, oh, I have good to answer. say. Yeah. Well, Maxwell, I really, I appreciate you, um, you coming in to, to talk to me. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, I also thought it would be interesting to get a perspective of someone your age, because how, how old are you? Uh, I am 17, senior year of high school. Senior high school. Jeez, I remember my senior year of high school. It's good times. Yeah. It's, it's stressful, though, right? Uh, yeah. I think good times are going to come later. Uh, a lot of it's been college stuff. All but right. All right. You want to talk about the college stuff? Because but here's, here's the thing. I wanted to get a perspective of somebody your age about, about the world today, about life. Maybe we can talk about Thanksgiving, what it means to oh, you, yeah. and family, what I mean to you. And um, you can ask me any questions. I'm full of useless advice that you probably shouldn't follow, but I'll, I'll dish it out anyway. You know, being 17, when I was 17, it was the 90s. And I think about this a lot because the 90s had a huge impact on me today. I think about it all the time. That was like very formidable years, I guess is what you say. And whether it was the music or the culture or things that went on, you know, I think about that all the time. And in and, and the 90s was tough. You know, we, people weren't so in tune with their emotions and, and who they are. And it was not like it is today. But from your perspective, you know, and, and you've been through a lot. I mean, COVID, you know, all the stuff going on right now in, in the Middle East and Israel. As a young man, you know, coming into his own, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you think of your future and your position, how you see yourself, and how you want the world to see, to see you, if that question makes any sense, or if it's a rambling? No, it, it makes sense. I think, just, just for me personally, I've always been very dead set on what I want to do and, and the things that I want to pursue, but I think in the world right now, it, there's this very big pressure, especially for people my age, to kind of decide what you want to do super quickly. You know, that's interesting, because I think about your dad, a lot. He comes up on, on this podcast a lot. I talk about him. And it's the context of this. Your dad knew at a young age that he was going to be a doctor. And the guy was focused like crazy on making that happen. I, on the other hand, knew at a young age I was not going to be a doctor. So I was sort of like floundering. Like, what the hell am I going to do? But this isn't about me. We're talking about you. But maybe my dad's personality maybe had an influence on you because he'd be a great guy to have on your side, you know, sort of explaining, here's, here's how you pick a goal and here's how you, 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 you reach that goal, how you execute. I, I think I get that from both of my parents. I think both of them are, even from like a young age, were very driven and, and knew exactly kind of what they wanted. And I think having that kind of vision and, and sort of picking a goal and, and sticking to it and really giving it your all is something that I'm really glad that they've kind of passed those sort of values down. But I think there is a, a certain 
um, allure, I guess, to being able to figure out kind of what you want to do a little bit later. Because I think more and more, I think with the way that like college applications are nowadays, there's this huge pressure on deciding a major even before you're like at the college. Right. That's that's it. And I've actually had another person on this podcast. We've talked about that question of when you ask a 17 year old or a 15 year old, so what do you want to be when you grow up? It's such an unfair question because how can really how can you know? I mean, you can have like, oh, I want to be a fire. You know, you can say all sorts of silly, you know, like sort of the canned response. But deep down, I mean, do you, do you think you, you you know? I mean, it's it's a huge question and a really serious one to answer. I think me personally, I, I've been dead set on, on what I've wanted to do since second grade. I mean, I... And you wanted to be an uh, orthopedic spine surgeon, is that right? That's, ex- that's exactly <laughs> right. That is, I've always wanted to do surgery. Um, no, 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 no. I've, I've loved uh, film uh, and television since I was just, like, so young. And, and just kind of that... I've always known I've wanted to be in entertainment in some way or another. And I think I... I don't know. So it, when you were younger, you know, what what film and television influenced you? Like, what do you remember as as a young kid watching? For example, I remember, and I don't know if it had influence on me, but like Saved by the Bell was a big deal Saturday morning, and I don't want to be Zach Morris, but my initials were AC, so I I got the the moniker AC Slater at some point in my life. But that, you know, so that was a show that I you know when I think about the '90s again coming up, that was a show that you know, or Beverly Hills 90210, that was an important show. At the time. What about you? Were the shows? Um, the one that keeps uh, coming up for me is Mrs. Doubtfire. That feels really? like. Yes. That's that's a great answer because that's not a that's from my era when I was a kid. Yeah. So I, I it, it was always be the movie that I would watch when I'd go over to my grandparents in St. Louis, their house. Hmm. And I, I'd go there and we'd put on a movie and it'd be Mrs. Doubtfire. And I think my love for comedy really stems from that movie. From Robin Williams. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the the goat. Like, you think? Oh, 100%. He's a goat. I wouldn't say the goat. I think there are other goats that oh, yeah. I would put before him. But that, this, is, yeah, this is a great conversation about who's the greatest comedic actor of all time. I think, uh, e- even in just terms of comedy, I think it's hard to say someone other than him, George Carlin, or... I, uh, no, you're, you're wrong. Really? Yeah, you're wrong. I'll, I'll answer your question right now. You're sitting in Highland Park in Chicago, mm-hmm. and the only person that should come to mind is Bill Murray. See, Come if on. we're talking just comedic actors... Oh, and by the way... 100%. By the way, this building you're in, in Highland Park, Ghostbusters, Harold Ramis wrote Ghostbusters in this building. That's, that's incredible. That? Is that cool? That's awesome. So that his, his ghost, is uh, his energy is still here. That's why this show is so fascinating, because of the ghost of Harold Ramis. But anyway, all right, so <laughs> you're a fan of Mrs. Doubtfire and, and Robin Williams. But, you know, Robin Williams is interesting, because... He he was very. It turned out to be a very dark character, right? He had, yeah. he had horrible demons that I don't. Nobody ever really knew about, right? But if you think about it, his career he he, he always played. I mean, towards the end of the career, I think of his role in Goodwill Hunting, which was like a complete departure of the goofy Robin Williams. But if, you know, if, I think he won like a Best Supporting Actor for that in the Academy Awards. Do you, you see that movie, Goodwill? Oh Hunting? my God, yeah, love that movie. Um, I I think to that I think there's a certain I feel like his state enhanced his comedy because I find with so many famous comedians yep. and stuff like that, they have that, and I think that's what moves them to kind of— That darkness. Exactly. They're they're trying to give to other people what they are kind of seeking, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting because I think, you know, I think about, you know, John Candy was—he he seemed to be a dark character, but Bill Murray seems to be relatively uh, well-adjusted 
Chris Farley. I mean, there you go. He yeah. was a he was another Chicago. I spent some time in Chicago. He was a mess of a man. That's interesting though, because Mrs. Doubtfire is not something I would I would have picked from you. But that's a great choice. I'm yeah. impressed. I obviously my tastes have, have evolved since, yeah. but I think the root of my love for like comedy and TV and movies just comes from that film. What about what about television shows? Television shows. Like, do people even watch sitcoms anymore, or is it all just like... I, lo- I love Seinfeld. Oh, I am, look at you. I am a Seinfeld fan. I, wow, I'm, you, I'm a big you fan of Seinfeld. Are, you are wise beyond your years. I, you obviously get that from me. Obviously. That's obviously, obviously a trait you picked up. No, that's interesting. So, because <laughs> Seinfeld is is pretty... It's it's not um, it's not childlike humor. No. Right? You started watching that at a young age? I, I, I would say I started watching shows similar to Seinfeld at a young age, and... I think obviously like Disney Channel sitcoms were like, but none of them pop out. Like I don't like think Key and Peele was that a was that a Disney one or I started watching like the YouTube clips of that at a young age. Okay. I, I love them. I love both of them. They're I think Jordan Peele is like a genius. Yeah. And I think everything he's done with his movies has been fantastic. He, he has one. They have one skit where they where it's like the, in the classroom and there he's like oh. calling out the names because I get that a lot because you know, Aaron. Yeah. So, but beyond that, I don't know any of their any of their work. No, I love I love their stuff. I think. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is is just a really funny guy, but I think, I, as I was saying, Jordan Peele is like a genius. He's he's like directed horror movies now, isn't he? And they're all great. They yeah. really are. Are they? See, I don't, um, I don't watch. Get Out is really inc- it's incredible. I think I think that's that might be my favorite horror movie. Really? Yeah. Have you seen The Shining? I have seen The Shining. I I love Kubrick. Yeah. Shining Shining's close second, maybe. Okay. I don't like horror movies. You're not a horror movie. No, nah, why do I want to? Watch, why do I want to be scared? I'm I'm scared as it is. I don't need to. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't need a movie to make me even more scared. You know what I mean? That's fair. I I don't like the the sort of slasher horror uh, that kind of is. I I don't know if someone say lower brow. I I, I like the kind of intellectual like. You kind of got to think about it. Like there's a metaphor behind it. I, but I think yeah. there is a place for the slasher horror. Like I'm not. If if you like it, like it's. That's great, but it's just it's not my kind of thing. I, that that's kind of my thing with movies, where it's like I don't want to hate on someone else's no, favorite but, thing. But that's the thing. That's why talking about movies is so great because everybody has an opinion about it, and what I watch is great, and what you watch is not great, and I can teach you. <laughs> but that's that's what you think about it when people talk about movies. Yeah. It's like you haven't seen them. What's the matter with you? You got to see the movie right away, right? So yeah, it's, it's same with like music. It's like there's like ubiquitous things that when you talk about it, everybody has an opinion. Right, I have a friend who uh, helped doing his social media, and he did this this bit where he talked about the three worst concerts he's ever been to. And I'm like, this is stupid. Nobody cares. And let me tell you, the thing has like 600,000 views, and people are commenting to this day. So that you know that conversation, those conversations are, are something that everybody can engage with. But I digress because let's go back to uh, to you. You you live in the wonderful St. Louis, Missouri. Is that right? Yes, I I do. And you go to high school at yeah at the um, public school, uh, Ledoux Horton Watkins High School. Shout out to the what, what's their mascot? The Rams. Shout out to shout the, out to the Rams. That's right. No one's gonna hear this from that. This no one, I'm not kidding. a single person. You did all four. This is your fourth year there. Is it? Yeah, senior? Is yeah. It good, good experience. Uh, yeah. I, I so, you know you can you can let it you can let it if you've got no. things to say about uh, teachers. I don't know that if I'd say so four fine. full years just because first year was oh, COVID. COVID, which was. Oh, let's talk about that. Oh yeah, that was that was a crazy experience for me just because I I've been thinking about it recently. I'm never going to have that kind of experience ever again. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, I I think l- losing that first semester of freshman year. Oh, that that came in a real well. I guess it came in a bad time for everybody. But that's yeah. you know, that's a very very scary time as it is as just. Without COVID, 
But then how how did the school deal with that? What 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 went on at Ladue High School well, to handle we, that? We were all virtual for the first half of like first semester. I, I think it was all first semester of, of my freshman year. And I think the school dealt with it as, as, as good as they could. But maybe was that a relief in some sense that you didn't have to, like, worry about the social pressures of, like, wh where's the classroom? How do I get there? I'm going to get lost. I, have to I think it was a relief at the time. But I think me and my mom talk about this a lot. I think my grade lost a lot of that sort of coming together that happens in that first freshman sure. year. And it's it's become really weird where I've, I've heard this from a lot of people, even not at my school, who, who had that first semester freshman year virtual that – your grade is just not on the same page as the other ones where it's tough for us to, like, make plans and do, like, pictures at one person's house or, like, they're, we're still in our very clicky, like, middle school friend groups. We, and it, it's odd. And I think we lost something that other grades kind of gain having that in person. Yeah, I, I would freshman year. I, that makes sense to me because that when you're a freshman, you know, every other freshman is in the same boat as you. So everyone's sort of on equal ground. And then to miss out on that is, is a total bummer. Yeah, total total bummer. I look at my kids. You know, Jada was in second grade, and you know, I had to be her teacher. And you know, God help her because I don't know how to teach second grade math. No one ever taught me that. There's no, there's, there's no manual for that. So I, you know, it was hard. But I get, you know, you know, I, you were at a very sort of age of impressionable age, just formidable years. Yeah, I think academically, I don't think I was hit horribly hard because I think. I, I, I finally got past that point where it's very foundational stuff. Like, I think elementary mm. school and middle school is tough because if you miss that and you can't catch up, high school gets rough because you don't have that foundational knowledge. But high school, you kind of start building upon that. And I think I'm lucky enough that I had that at a point where it wasn't crazy uh, detrimental to me. Because, like, for example, my math, yeah. I took geometry freshman year yeah, and there's something you'll need for the rest of your life doing right because it's like once you get into high school it's not a matter of you're going to need this for later it's a matter of this is what we're doing to expand your knowledge and so i think geometry is stuff that i am able to kind of figure out through my other classes because i had that foundational knowledge from like middle school and elementary yeah. school but like it, for example in middle school if i didn't like have like algebra one that like eighth grade year, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to figure out geometry and college algebra sure, well, and calculus. You know, math, math builds on itself. So exactly. if, if you miss out on a concept, you know, early on, then the, anything subsequent to that is makes no sense. It's right. tough, and I I even think like uh, like reading and 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 writing and stuff like that. Those like very basic like this is how you craft an argument is stuff that's done like in like seventh and eighth grade, and I think for my writing. I don't know how well I would have been able to, like, succeed in, in the classes that I take at the high school for writing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's interesting. Also think about, you know, you, you live in the world of, of AI now and ChatGPT. Yes. Because between you and me, everything I'm saying into this microphone right now was written by ChatGPT. It's incredible. So, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I use it every day. I really do. Whether I'm having it, you know, proofread an email or write an email or a marketing campaign, an email blast campaign, it's it's amazing. In school, if I had to like write a essay on you know Hamlet, I would go right to ChatGPT and say, write the, or at least get me started. Do you guys use it? There are certainly kids that do use it, but I think me personally, I really hate it just because I I feel like I have this strong drive to like do well in school and I I, I try and like do my best, especially in like reading and writing because mm -hmm. I, I want to write for television when I'm older and I I, I guess it's sort of like. I have something to prove where I don't want to use it just because, like, okay. it's like I want to earn that kind of grade, like, myself. But I think 
it's it's so tough for teachers now because they have the AI checkers, but they're really not that good. Like it's like you can I, I saw an article where you can feed the Declaration of Independence into one and it says it's AI wow. generated, which wow. is interesting. It it's tough. I, I think it's a useful tool, but I, I worry about kids' dependence on it. Yeah, and listen, when I you know when I say I use it all the time, it's sort of, I'm sort of joking and sort of not, but I do use I'll tell you I use it as a starting point. Right. If it can if it can get me started and I can take what it's given me and, and sort of internalize it and, and sort of make edits and make it my own, then I feel like, okay, well I've I've put my stamp on it. But I just know me in school, like to have that that access of of information. You know, I didn't go to school, high school. There's no internet. Something in, in a, yeah, like in, you get a passage in class, and then they're like, "All right, you have this amount of time to like draft an essay, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but we just you have to make your argument in that class period." You know, and that's an important skill to have because I think you know, in, in law school or, or taking the bar exam or any exam really, when you have to be able to write, you have to understand you know the structure of, of your writing and how to get it out quickly and efficiently without any of the superfluous stuff. Right, there's a big word I used. Yeah. Thank you, AI, wow. for that. Yeah, there's a big focus on on these kind of uh, writing tests in the AP classes. Are you in any AP classes? Yeah, right now I, I'm in uh, three. Wow. Uh, I'm in AP Gov, AP Literature, and AP Latin. What? AP Latin? Yeah. Yeah. I took... You're going to learn a 2,000-year-old dead language? It's, so it, it's actually a funny story. We um, uh, Freshman year, I took it because they said— Oh, well, if you learn Latin, it'll be helpful for, like, the ACT and SAT because you'll get the roots of those vocab words. Who told you that? I it, – it's something that was, like, told, like, at, like, the, the, the big meeting, the scheduling meeting at our, <laughs> at our, at our okay. eighth grade year. And, and, and as you sit here today, you've taken the ACT and SAT? It didn't help me one of course, of course bit. Not. You didn't ask your Uncle Aaron, say, Uncle Aaron, do I need to take Latin? I think that I is – Are you crazy? Take that's Spanish. My, that's my biggest regret in high school is, is taking Latin instead of, like, German what are you or gonna Spanish. Go, what are you going to go translate the Bible? I'm kidding. I know. I was like, making a joke, but like you can read e pluribus unum on the yeah, dollar bill. Out okay. of many one. Right. Yeah. So you, like you can speak Latin. Like you, how much? How many Latin years of Latin did you take? I've I've taken. This is my fourth year taking Latin. Oh wow! And so it's it's so bizarre because all the other language classes at my school are very speaking focused, but Latin is a dead language for a reason, and that's because it's very very hard to speak. And so I can do very little more than read it with a decent amount of understanding. Do you have any anything memorized that you'd want to? Uh, Speak into this microphone. Uh, I, I could say, hello, my name is Maxwell. So you've taken how many years of Latin? <laughs> Three and, and a half now. And now you're going to say, hello, my name is Maxwell. Soloway, mihi nomen est Maxwell. Mm. Yeah. I, I could, if you gave me a passage from uh, Caesar, I could probably translate that, though. But, um, uh, yeah. And then also, so we're translating the, uh, the Aeneid in class. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's like a retelling of the Iliad, but oh, by okay. Rome. Okay. They're like, they're right. like, we want our version to be better, and so... They retranslated it and told them their own way. That's interesting. I don't think you know, my deaf school definitely did not offer Latin, but that's 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 definitely interesting that you. That it's, you it's interesting, and what I think that. I have learned a decent amount. And what I found is that we we traveled to uh, Rome over the summer, and that was really interesting because we were going through all these old churches and stuff like that, and I could actually kind of tell what was going on, and I could I could read the, oh, the wow. mosaic tiles on the side, which was really really. Interesting because I've never been able to apply my skills in any other but way, shape, or form. Because a lot of the English words come from Latin. Right? Yeah. So uh, do you have like a deeper understanding of vocabulary of, of word, English words? I definitely etymology? do. And I think even for other languages that stem from Latin, mm -hmm. when we were in Italy, I could pick different words 
out from like Italian billboards and I go, oh, I can kind of understand that. And in Spanish, I can understand to a small extent where it's like, if you drop me in a foreign country, I might be able to you find can, my like, way find out. way to the yeah. bathroom. Okay. That's interesting. It Latin, is. Latin is, is not something I would have expected anybody to be interested in, but are there books still written in Latin? I mean, is there? Oh, no. no. The, well, the, there's the, the, Cam- like the Bible. Yeah. There's a Cambridge Latin course. Okay. Uh, that's what we primarily are on, which is actually is a funny thing because the first unit, uh, you spend all this time with this one family where it's like, oh, it's Grumio the cook, and it's 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 this girl and, and that, and you like get to know this like ancient Roman family, and at the end of the, the very first year of Latin, they all die in Pompeii. There you go. <laughs> uh, very uplifting. It, it was, have you been to Pompeii? I have not, no. No, I've been there. T- I was there, it was like 100 degrees, it's hot. But it feels like a lot of dead people and frozen in time. It's cool. Very cool. It, it, it's funny because we all found out about this on the test. So it was our final yeah. for Latin one. And we get there and the test is like you translate a passage and then you answer questions about it. And okay. we're like reading through this passage and we're like, oh, my God, all the characters that we've been with this entire year are like horrifically burning in Pompeii. It, it was the most Here, bizarre thing. We do some trivia, some geography. Okay. What was the name of the volcano? Mount Vesuvius. I don't. I didn't take Latin or history. I don't know anything. We can ask ChatGPT or Google. We could or Siri. I mean, my dad. I can hear my dad's voice. Aaron, you're wrong. It's it's Vesuvius. <laughs> I don't know. You should check that up. All right. So you're applying to college. Yes. That must be a, a party and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crowded party. With the Common App, it's everyone applies everywhere. Did you look at Tulane? That's where I went to school. I didn't look at Tulane, but there's so... What about Lehigh? Lehigh, you know, your dad, alma mater, is a school called Lehigh. Yeah, we looked at Lehigh. Lehigh? Is that still a thing? Hmm? Is the people go to that school? They're interested in that school? Yeah, a lot of people go to that school. They just don't have the program that I'm... A lot of people don't go to this. There's like like 3,000 students, not a lot of people. I think think it's grown a little bit, (laughs) but I I can't remember. Their mascot is the engineer. Wow. Right. A little bit of an underwhelming mascot. I think it's just well, like a guy. Listen, it's not necessarily a school that's known for its, its, yeah. its uh, collegiate sports, let's be honest. It's more for um, people like your like my, your brother, my brother, your dad. Yeah. No, he did well there. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I remember visiting that school. You know, it's, it's on a hill. Not a hill. It's on he a always mountain. talks about that. Jesus, man. <laughs> He's schlepping up this hill. Forget it. But, listen, your, your dad is... He can he handles stuff like that. It's not a big deal to him. You yeah, know, he's focused. It's like when you go skiing with your dad. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, the guy's like he doesn't get tired. It's it really is incredible. And my brother is the same way. While we're skiing, it, it, him and Carson are like yeah. clones of each other. It's scary. It is. It's frightening. I don't know if you've listened to it uh, at, at dinner last night, but they they talk the same and they move in the same way, and it's it, it's it's really odd. It's a very bizarre so thing for me to watch. Would you say Carson is more of a crane and you're more of a flatkin? Yes. Yes, and that's been the consensus in my family. And what about uh, your other brother, Parker? Parker is so interesting because it's always, I'm a flatkin, Carson's a crane, and Parker's an even mix. Hmm. Because that's, it's so true in like so many different ways. Because I look at Parker when he was younger, and for our listeners, you know, Maxwell has two younger brothers, Carson's the middle, and then, and then Parker's the the baby. He's not a baby anymore. But when I look at Parker, he looks like your dad when your dad was a kid, like spit, like spitting image. He, he does. And he also has, um, my mom's uh, curls. Yeah. And it, it, he like... And he, he, your curls not flatkin curls? Oh, my curls are definitely flatkin okay. curls. 100%. Uh, my ha- hair is eerily similar to my other uncle. Where? Which uncle is that? Uh, JJ. But he doesn't have any hair. No. 
he, which is is frightening for me. That that's an existential sort of worry that oh, I have. If you want to talk about how to handle that, I am your guy because <laughs> because I have been through that, and I know how awful it is, and it sucks. But lucky for you, you live in a world in a time where hair loss can be treated. It's no big deal anymore. I feel like we're leading into an ad for keeps. Yeah, or pims. <laughs> so listen, I was bald. Remember I was bald? And yeah. I, I grew hair, and I used um, Latisse. You know what Latisse is? I don't. Latisse is a cream that they use for cancer patients to help them grow their eyelashes. And this <laughs> guy's like, you need to rub it on your cap, and your hair will grow back. And lo and behold, it worked. So the technology's there, so I, you know, if I were you, you wouldn't worry about it. It looks like you got a nice head of hair. You got nothing. Yeah, about. and uh, I, I think the whole science is, is that you get your hair genetics from your mother's dad. I think I'm that's that's what I've heard. And my of, of uh, Paul, he's he's got a decent head of hair still, and he's he's doing all right. Yeah, I think listen, it's yeah, it's all it's all trivial in the end. It's not like trivial. It's, it's not. Well, to me, well, to well, me, yeah, it wasn't. It was course. important. You know, I'm a, I'm vain. And everybody's got a little bit of vanity. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to look old or feel old. And having hair is. It was always about me. It was always how I felt, how you see yourself. And yeah. I mentioned that at the beginning. And I always, always saw myself as a bald guy. Mm. And, it, you know, in college, it started for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it turned dark. <laughs> All right, so we're, gonna, we're applying to schools. When, when you start hearing about the results? Uh, first decision back I get is December 15th. So. Right, so right before winter break. Yeah. Your winter break could either be great or awful. But it'll be great. Yes, hopefully. So let me tell you something. On a long enough timeline of life... Oh yeah, it's a, where you go so to college is unless unless you're <clears throat> a Beckler or a Lynn and you went to Penn. <laughs> where you went to college is no big deal, unless you went to Penn. Why do I call, did we apply to Penn? I did not. No, neither did I. I wish I, I wish I'd known to apply to Penn. If I because I, I would have, but I don't even think I could have gotten in. I think at this point I'm too distant even to get that. No, you want to get in on, on the merits that you were you deserved it. All right, we're not going to grease. The, well, you're going to grease the wheels a little bit. Yeah. Call good old Uncle Eric. And I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm who they're looking for either. I don't think I'm kind of the yeah. demographic. I think they don't have. Oh, a that's you know, that's a, that's a very mature thing to say about yourself. Yeah, and I think every school you kind of get the vibe of who they're looking for. I think when we were touring schools, for example, somewhere like uh, uh, I, I don't want to like diss on one specific school, but come we, on, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> we 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 toured, say it in Latin. Uh, it's already in Latin. No. Um, but we we toured this one school uh, and we were touring and we went through the library and there's these giant stained glass windows yeah. and I go oh that's pretty and then I realize oh these are all Christian stained glass windows and it's it's Jesus and I'm like oh maybe this isn't the place for me well, and then we're know. walking through their their cultural center or cultural center and they have uh, like the giant Catholic student uh, center and then they have like the Goldberg inter uh, religion closet. It, the closet. The closet. <laughs> it, it was a very small room that was like the Goldberg interfaith closet. And of course, it had the name Goldberg. But you know, you, you know, your grandfather. My my dad went to a, a Jesuit school. Yeah. So you know, and that's what my college counselor keeps saying is that the Jesuit schools really like Jewish students, which I think is interesting. That she says that in, in, the, in this in these times. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> you know, and let's let's we can shift gears and talk about the Jewish thing. And how, because yeah. there's a lot to, to unpack there, but because I know from my perspective, you know, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, but from your perspective as a young guy, 17, see these horrible things happen, you know, how, and you live in a, in a pretty conservative part of town, I would say, right? Uh, yeah. There's some diversity, but for the most part, it's, it's like here, right? You know, like Highland yeah. Park. But, you know, amongst your friends, 
your peer group in the, in the high school? You know, do, do people have opinions and talk about, about what happened in Israel and, and Jews and anti-Semitism? There, there's a fair amount of discussion that goes on, but I don't think... I think there's been a lot of discussion in especially the media about how my generation is so vehemently anti-Israel. And I don't know if it's just where my friends are coming from, but e even my more left-leaning friends than myself, I don't see a lot of that. And I, that might just be the people that I know, but I just think having this kind of idea in the media of the younger generation is like this and that, it gets clicks and it gets fused because it's, it's, it's obviously like a very divisive topic. And if people are watching and they're thinking either, oh, this is really scary or, or oh, I, I, I think this is great, which I think is ridiculous, but uh, that's what's going to be seen. And I think if they're focusing on these kind of cases where people are, are, are more extreme, it, it makes it so much worse because then people think that those are the only two options. Right, so because social media for for finding information about what's going on is, is a horrible, terrible. terrible place. But but your generation, you know, is the social media generation. I mean, you guys really are the ones who who thrive in that in that arena. So how do you handle you know all that sort of negative and and scary stuff? I think for me, I think social media can be bad if you're not doing your due diligence. I think good information is so hard to find. Right now, just because I think even in traditional media form, so I think it's a matter of being able to find a lot of sources that you trust and, and reading a wide variety of opinions. Like I've got a few guys uh, that I listen to on YouTube and then I read as mm -hmm. much as I can. I What's great for me is I go in the Google News tab mm -hmm. and that just gives me an unfiltered everything page where I can see all of the headlines and I just read about the topics that I think are pressing and I read about stuff that the other side and everyone else thinks is pressing. And I think being able to find good information is tough, but it's not undoable. I think. Well, does it lead you to the point where you start to question everything? You ask a lot of questions, maybe ask your parents. I, I think you should be doing that even with traditional media. I think questioning everything that you're reading is such an important part about that. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because I think about when, when I was a kid, you know, you watch something on the news and I never questioned it because that was there was no way to question it. it. That was it. You know, the president says something, or somebody says something, and they're an authority figure, and and you take it for what it's worth. That they, they must know what they're talking. They're, they must know what they're talking. They're talking about. But social media has changed all that, right? You can suddenly start questioning things and start a conversation. I think so much of the problem with social media is there's this selective coverage of of this or that, and it's not even so much. You're getting bad information. You're just getting the wrong information. Yeah, and listen, everything is very nuanced and complicated and, and hard to decipher in a 30-second TikTok video. Of, what, of, I, what I hate are the, the pink pastel like Instagram graphics that try and boil down a 3,000-year-old conflict into two Instagram slides that you can post to your story. I just think that's—it's it, ridiculous to say that, like, any— issue that we face today can be put into something that you can fit into a 30-second story. That's true. But that, but your generation now is sort of the generation that has to deal with that and figure it out for yourselves. Of like, how, how are we as, you know, as, as a humanity going to deal with this? And how are we going to combat the bad stuff and, and decipher for ourselves, well, what do we agree with, what we don't agree with, and what tribe do we pick? Because we're very you know, tribal when at the end of the day. And that's, that's scary, right? 
It is. It is scary. I think my generation, even more than millennials, for example, I think is even more conscious. I don't know. I think it's probably the people I surround myself with, because I think a lot of my friends are on the smarter end, and I don't think uh, it, it's so much of uh, people who are just sort of going off of Instagram. But I think the people that I surround myself with are conscious about these sort of like uh, traps of, of these Instagram graphics because these are made to get views and clicks and likes sure. and long form stuff that gives you reliable information. Unfortunately, just isn't favored by the algorithm. Yeah. And I think my friends are more aware of that. And I think it's because we've grown up with the internet and we sort of have grown up with this technology and we kind of understand how this works and we understand what gets views and what doesn't and how to find better information. I don't know if that's just, me, because I know there are certainly many people who, in my generation who aren't as well uh, disciplined when it comes to getting good info. But, sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's a Because I think of the access to information, you know, because I think about, I talk about music again. You know, when I was your age, to find music that you liked, it was a mission. You know, you had to hear it on the radio. Then you had to go to the, to the record, you know, the music store, and you had to buy it. Then you had to find a CD player, and it was, like, very difficult. It was well, not difficult, but it was – there was a process. You know, in today's world, everything is instant, right? It's instant gratification. You like a song? I'm going to play it right now. I'm going to download the whole catalog of, of music that ever I want. That, that I think, is so interesting with my generation is because I've noticed that every generation kind of has this – like individual like style or genre of music that is is like really kind of theirs mm -hmm. except like the people i've noticed we listen i my friends listen to just such a wide variety and i think it's because there's this huge access sure. to stuff yeah that i think these playlists where it's got like everything from like kendrick lamar to like the beatles where it's like wow this wouldn't be something anyone could do even maybe like 15 years ago like Spotify and Apple Music and all these streaming services have allowed people to like explore all of these different like genres of music and all of this. And my my listening habits are just so interesting because like I love the music that like my dad and you grew up on and yeah. and even like before that like I I've got a ton of like disco songs and like Beatles stuff on my playlist. And then I also have my other playlist where it's got I've got like. Kendrick Lamar and and uh, MF Doom and and like it's just a completely different MF Doom. That's like a very very like I love sophisticated MF Doom. I love MF Doom. I think his wordplay is just fantastic, and I think I I don't know. I I really love that's his mm food album. I think that it's so great because you know you said something interesting. You talk about you know the previous generation because when I was your age, you know the '60s for whatever reason was important to me. I knew it was an important time. It's something I paid attention to and something I cared about for some reason. And then maybe it was because I, you know, to, to try to better understand my parents, where they came from, and, and sort of the world that they grew up in. But definitely the music was incredibly influential to me. And, and to this day, like, you know, I, I think listens to the classic rock. I mean, that was, that was what was important. And, and to kids today, are you aware of, of, of that music and, and, and listen to it? Like, um, I don't know, to, to pick any band, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or, or whatever. Like, oh my God. still relevant. Yeah, I think bands have gained back relevance just because of this era of streaming. I think, like, just having access to this just insane amount of, of media and stuff like that, and even with streaming services, like, on, on, like, Netflix and stuff, being able to have access to, like, every era of music just right there, and you're able to just listen and, like, sort of branch out. Is, is just the coolest thing to me. It is amazing. Because, hey, listen, again, when I was a kid, finding music was was not so easy. But then, you know, I went to college 
in the 90s when the, this thing called Napster started, you know, Napsters. And, oh, yeah. I, and I remember, you know, we I would sit in my computer and download music for hours and hours. And it was like the most incredible thing. And that's like when everything shifted and suddenly music became sort of a commodity that everybody could get their hands on very easily. And I, I was going to have a girl on here who actually received the cease and desist letter from like, I don't know, Sony or some one of the one of those companies to tell her to <laughs> stop downloading music from Napster and LimeWire. But again, music, it was very difficult. But but does it take away then sort of the, the excitement of it? Like you found something like MF Doom, you've discovered MF Doom, right? There, to me, there was always the excitement was like going out the, the mission of finding it, of, of holding an actual tactile feel of the CD and reading the liner covers or whatever. You know, you don't have that anymore. I think the excitement has shifted to there's just this huge culture, I think, of, of creating these playlists and everyone has their own playlist and they have creative titles and pictures and, and crafting just like the perfect kind of like vibe, uh, for lack of a better word, and just like atmosphere just like within the playlist is, is such a big thing that I notice where it's like all of my friends have their own dedicated playlist or two and you guys share them amongst yourself yeah and it, it's this whole thing of like oh this playlist is awesome for like this time of day and this like sort of activity and I think it that's it, where the excitement has shifted to be it's it shifted away from finding it to actually like putting it into these specific things and crafting it and creating it on your own and making it something that you want to listen to all the time. Yeah, that's that's cool. We used to make mixtapes too, but I'll tell you a story because I remember your dad. He got a CD player, I think maybe for his bar mitzvah, which would have been in 1989. How's that bar mitzvah in 92? Anyway, he I remember as clear as day. He had two CDs that he bought. His first two CDs. The first one was Fine Young Cannibals. You know that that group. Sounds familiar. They, they, have one, they had one good song. And then the second was a fantastic album. It was Guns N' Roses. Use Your Illusion. What was the, the, the first one? He had that album. I remember it's like he brought it home. I remember seeing it. It was like the most incredible thing. That there's this band. Did you guys listen to music from the 90s? Yeah. Like Nirvana and... and um, there's, a, there's a big uh, following for Nirvana, I think. And it's true because, you know, Jada wears a Nirvana t-shirt, a sweatshirt. Yeah. She loves it. And I've tried to play Nirvana for her and she's like, turn this off. I'm like, but Jada, you wear the sweatshirt. Don't you want to understand, have a better understanding of what, what it is? And she's not interested. And that's where I think sort of maybe it's because her generation and she's just too young. I think there's just a there's a culture that surrounds Nirvana at this point where it's they're still like relevant and you think, wow, Kurt Cobain was I mean, Dave Grohl's still around and he's still he's still making fantastic stuff. And I think that's uh, true. Kurt Cobain resonates with I think a lot of uh people in my generation, I think. Really? Yeah, I, I think and I haven't listened to a lot of Nirvana personally, but I know so many people who are so into that era of music. That's interesting because I remember driving with my mom and, and listening to Nirvana and she was saying, what is this shit? What is this crap? <laughs> really? It was like she was scared of it because it was it was this like very scary sort of dark music. You know, your hair looks great, by the way. Thank you. But that was the night. The nineties was filled with with that. I mean, everybody was like either killing themselves or dying of heroin overdoses. It was crazy. I think there's always going to be sort of pushback, especially on. I, I've noticed music uh, from the generation before because it's you don't You're threatened. You by just it. don't get it. Yeah. Because I think I think parents were threatened by rock and roll and and jazz and and. I know. Can you imagine like, they're, they're listening to that that bebop? They're they're and their <laughs> right? is shaking his hips. It's it's un, it's corrupting, uh, it's the, corrupting children. the children. Like it's just. I also remember as a kid there was a, a group called Two Live Crew. Okay, and they were incredibly vile. The things that they said. It was you know for as a teenager as a kid it was like the greatest thing ever. I can't think of the name of their song, but you should listen to it. But at the time, 
like there was a huge pushback from from like these parents' organizations. And you know those labels that says like the black and white label that says like parent to something? That all started in the 90s because of, of bands like Two Live Crew and, and NWA and like all these bands and groups that were saying like pretty outrageous stuff. And I think I think kids are always gonna be drawn to things that are rebellious. I mean like I think especially that stems from like Kids in like even going back to like the sixties and and the fifties would get like a record player, and they they finally had their own kind of music. Do your friends like, have records? You guys listen to albums and vinyl? I think I I don't personally, but I know so many people who who do collect like vinyl. Really? And yeah, what's wrong with them? I I don't get it, but I think it's 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 fun for them. And I is think, it though? I think it's it's, it's like audio files are like they think it sounds better. I don't know. I don't get it no, personally. Get it. You know, there's a record store opened in Harrenhal Park. Down the street, and I asked the guy to come on, sit down with me because I wanted to understand like who, you know, you can just listen to it on your phone. Why do I need to, to fumble around with a record and a record player and then scratching the needle? It was, it's like, it's such a, there's no function to form to it. It's a pain in the ass. I, I think my generation, I, I've noticed this a lot, especially with like logos, is there's this increased push on form even over function because I feel like there's so many people in my generation we grew up with these like tech company logos where they're all like sans serif and they're all this gray and so many people are just like fed up with this kind of like style of logo design and so many people are gravitated towards these more uh, maximalist yeah, you know, I've things. seen that on, on social media. And I, I like those. And I, I, I think that even comes back to like stuff like vinyl where it's people are there's this like renewed appreciation for things that are just there to look interesting and be cool and not everything needs to be as efficient and as clean and as like just sleek as possible. Hmm. I try to be as sleek and cool as possible, but I fail. Anyway, that's interesting. You're like the spokesman for your generation. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, I think I think, I, I think I'm decently in tune. I, I don't think I'm as in tune as I would like to be. I, I think so because here's the thing when i think about like what i remember what you have memorized like you know i've memorized i can remember my friend's phone numbers right uh, do you you guys don't need to know anybody's phone number right no no uh i i have everyone in my contacts i've, I've got everyone in, on instagram i've got everyone on snapchat you, you use snapchat yeah a lot is that how you guys communicate with each other so I, I remember in middle school thinking snapchat was like an actual social media but i just i use it to like make plans like it's like and but, I don't I don't know why, but it, yeah, I think why Snapchat it, for group chats I think is so much better. Why? I think there's just like you're allowed to be so much like sillier in Snapchat, uh, for lack of like a better term, just because like obviously it's impermanent, but there's so many more options that are easier. Like to send a funny photo over like like iMessage, it's so permanent. But like if I send like a funny photo to like my group chat on Snapchat, they're like, oh my god, that's hilarious, and then it's the moment's passed and it's gone within like a day. And listen, that's sort of like for me, from my perspective, thinking about your generation is that is like that instant gratification and it's over. It's on to the next thing because media is so attainable. You're just scrolling through. It's that like your your attention span is so short. You send a Snapchat, it's there, it's gone. You're on to the next one, right? So, but when you communicate with your parents, like you think iMessage is really lame and for old people. No, I think iMess. No, not at all. I think it, Snapchat serves a different purpose for me than iMessage. I I'm think on Snapchat, by the way. Snapchat's Snapchat's great, but I don't think when you're messaging on Snapchat, it's not good for like serious stuff and like making plans and like. I think there's an appreciation for me where there's a time and place for like iMessage where it's like I oh, gotcha. okay. It, it makes sense to use it sometimes where if I'm like 
doing something. But Snapchat, I think, is just a more casual sort of thing where it's I don't have to like this is so random, but like mind my punctuation. It's interesting you say that because um, I've noticed in my text that my grammar and punctuation is terrible. It's embarrassing. And now I'm editing. When I send a text and there's a word misspelled, I have to edit the text. It's crazy. Like why am I, why do I care? But I do. It's and it's maybe I should get into Snapchat where I don't have to worry about that. I don't know who I would talk to on Snapchat. I talk to you on Snapchat. I have no yeah. one else to talk to. to um, make plans. Yeah. I I don't know. I just think Snapchat's more fun. I think that's the reason right. my generation gravitates to it. Because if someone told you as a kid there's like this new thing where you can talk with your friends instantly and it doesn't really matter what you're saying, but it can just be fun. Because I think there's like Everyone talks about how my generation really doesn't, like, get out and, like, go to the mall that often and, and stuff like that. But I think so much of our world is online and so much of, like, the fun that we're having is is online. Not, yeah. e- not even within the sense of, like, let's go log into, like, the metaverse or something like that. But, like, when I'm making plans, it's not like we're all, like, huddled around, like, a phone or something. It's like we're just on our phones and we're, like, sending silly stuff. That, listen, you, that's really – if I'd had that when I was your age, forget it. It would have been amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's shift gears because let's talk about um, the, the serious stuff, the career stuff. Because yeah, because you um, you're you're an actor, right? You you've done some some. I've acted acting. in a few stuff. I think I I did theater at my school for a while, and I realized that really wasn't the place for me. I think I I really love creating film and 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 these videos because there's just so much more creative control. But having those skills of of knowing how to act. I mean, so important. Right. Beyond important, because if you can know what's going on in front of the camera, you can so much better dictate how you want and communicate your vision of what you want going on behind yeah, the camera. And that's true. Cause you know, I, I put myself on camera and when I was your age, no way am I getting in front of the camera. I w- there's just no way everybody would have made fun of me. You know, that was at the nineties. Everyone made fun of everybody for everything. So you show a little. Oh, I mean, that's but, I, I did my thing in fourth grade where I I did like late night with Maxwell. And middle school was I remember that. awful because of it, and people were like, "Oh my god!" But now it's it's my favorite thing because it it, yeah. it, it gave me that experience and that in to like my interests. So but early. here's why it's important for you because your generation spends a lot of time sending t- you know TikToks and all that, creating social media content video. For me, when the camera turns on, you know. Something in my brain changes, and my personality changes, and it happens to everybody. You know, you, you, you suddenly can't speak, or you're tripping over your words, or you're concerned about how you look or how you sound. And to be able to have that skill of practicing that in theater, I think would be incredibly valuable then when, you know, in sort of like your daily life, which is now everything is filmed, to be aware of it but not let it affect and change who you are. Or if it does, you're so self-aware that you can, you can sort of change the narrative of who you are and create a character Right? Does that make does that make any yeah. sense? I think everyone does that on camera, and I think it's both a blessing and a curse because uh, one, uh, you look better on camera, but then also there's this idea that no one on social media is like being their re- like it's someone's Instagram feed is not really who they are because you're seeing sure. what they want you to see. Sure. And I think it it's so tough. And and going even back to Snapchat, Snapchat is so much more real and in the moment to me that it's like you kind of do get that more unfiltered thing. And I think that's kind of what differentiates it for me from other social medias where it's not like that curated thing. Like half the Snapchats I send to my friends are like super up close to my face and mm-hmm. with like b- horrible lighting. And it's just, it's it's like a refreshing thing to see. 
Okay. So, but but um, from a career perspective, I mean, you want to be a writer, writer, write comedy, write yeah. sitcoms. That that's sort of where, where we're headed. Yeah, uh, I've always I've always had an interest in it, and it, it took me a while to figure out what I actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it clicked when I started uh, writing, and when I started writing scripts and stuff, I I always had this like kind of creative vision of like stuff that I wanted to make, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's so tough to communicate that without just making it. And the minute I started in this broadcast class at my school, I didn't have that outlet. Mm -hmm. And I think once I had that, I was able to put my ideas not only down onto paper, but also get like directing is my favorite thing in the world because you're quite literally watching an idea go from your head, like to real life and being able to communicate that. I worked on a sketch with my teacher and he was, he was absolutely fantastic because I had so many specific little timing things that I needed him to do, and he was so receptive, and having a teacher be able to take direction from me and having someone collaborate creatively like that is just the he coolest. He was an equal. He did, and it was fantastic. I was like, okay, that was great, but like, could we do one more take where you're like a little bit quicker on that line, mm-hmm. or or you take a pause here, or it's just like an exasperated sigh, and I think, I think that's just the coolest thing to have that sort of collaborative creative process with someone and being able to direct is so cool because you're not only dictating like acting, but you're also like, this is where I want the camera to be. This is the mood I want. I think, I think that's just the coolest thing. Do you have um, like a, a writing partner that you work with or someone that you work with on a, reg- on a regular basis? I've worked with other people uh, occasionally, but I, so the way, the way my sort of process works is I usually have an idea that bounces around in my head for like a little bit and either it turns out that I'll like it or I really hate it, and when I hate it, I just I get rid of it do after you, thinking do you about put it. Put your ideas down, like on a, on a like in your phone. You like talk into your phone and, and write things down. How do you how everything, do you keep everything stays catalog? in my head until I think it's a good enough idea? And once it's a good enough idea, it's like something clicks, and I'm able to just write it all out right then and there. Do you ever have those moments when? Because I think about creativity. Because you know, not to you know, I bec- tried to become a creative person in the last two or three years of my life. And I think about that all the time because, you know, if you look through my Instagram feed, you know, there's stuff that I think is really cool that I'm proud of entertains me. And I think to myself, well, where, where did that come from? How, did, how was I able to do that? Because there'll be days where I'll be thinking so hard about, geez, I want to do something. You know, I want to play with my camera, take a picture or film something, and, and nothing feels right. But then, seemingly out of nowhere, inspiration strikes, and I create something that I think is, that I think is like Emmy Award winning, Pulitzer Prize winning stuff. But... And, and I don't know where that comes from, how to find, how to be able to, to call that up on, on demand. That's something that I think about so often, being able to turn on that kind of thing. I, uh, because for me personally, it's not something that I can just sort of do like that, where I'll have an idea, I'll play with it in my head, and then just like out of nowhere, it, it shoots its way onto paper. And I don't know where it comes from or like what I do to try and, harness that as much as possible as I surround myself with stuff that I think is cool and inspiring. Like I, I, I try and do this thing where I watch one movie that is like in like a top 50 movies you should see before you die. Okay. And like, what was the last one you saw? Uh, the last one I did was 2001, a space odyssey, which right. is fantastic. And it's just the inspiration of seeing, you didn't find it boring. No, oh my God, I right. loved it. Right. I, I'm, I'm a huge Kubrick fan. Okay. And I think, do you see eyes wide shut? I haven't gotten around to it, but it's on my list. Yeah, well, you're a little bit young. Mm. I'm almost 18. All right. I probably saw that when I was 18. Yeah. That's a boring movie until the end, until it's not a boring movie. 
you know what I mean? There's one scene yeah. in the movie like, jeez, eye-opening. But, like, just watching films that will inspire you to do other stuff and, like, reading. Like, I, I'm reading Dune right now. Okay, I never read that. And it's, a, like, just being able to, like, gain... Because if you're getting new ideas, there's going to be more thinking in my head. That's just how I work is if I'm having these ideas, then there's going to be more thinking about, like, the world around me and and what I can do. And so much of my stuff comes from, like, a problem that I have that's, like, pushed to the very extreme. Like, the the sketch I was talking about with my teacher was based off a concept is I couldn't I couldn't write a script. And I, I couldn't come up with an idea. And my idea is I just started writing about me writing a script at the last minute and, and hmm. what would, that would look like. And I pushed it to, like, the furthest it could go. And so the idea turned into this sketch about me turning in, like, a 500-page script that day like that it's due but and writing it the night before. Could you just gone to chat GPD and say write me a script? I could, but I I, I no, think I'm just gonna make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's got I've seen your sketch. Your stuff is is really good. I mean, listen, I'm impressed. Um the one you made about you know the, the star David you wear, that one that one spoke to me. That one I, I said shit, I was jealous. I'm like, why didn't I think of doing that? That was an idea that I noodled with for a while and in a lot of different ways, even even before everything that's been going on in uh, the Middle East right now, I think that's an idea that I've played with for a while, and I never really thought that I had the capacity to tell that story, just because I think so much of the stuff that I do was so comedy-focused mm-hmm. that I, I I didn't know if I wanted to try and branch out, because I was worried that I couldn't, if that makes sense. Not in like a sad, oh no kind of way, but just like a... No, you're trying something different. You're, ex- you're experimenting with, with the style. But that was that's the beauty of social media and short form videos. You can you can try different things. You know, what, what I do for inspiration, you know, I scrolling through, you know, the, the, the For You page, you know, I'll find something. Like, that's an interesting idea. I can, how can I build off that? Um, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts about how people, you know, sound in the microphone or, or the questions they ask or how they, you know, the guests that they have on, you know, you never know where, where it comes from. But again, I just wish I could call it up on demand and say, you know, I'm going to take out my camera and I'm going to do this and the other thing. And when it, when it, when the, when it's all done, it's going to be, it's going to look exactly like this, but it never works that way. I think what's helped me with that as well is I've had to write a lot of these college essays and so many of them are like so personal. And I sit there with like the cursor blinking and what's helped me is I just start, even if I think it's awful and garbage and i just start and if i can just get something on paper then it, it starts moving and then it's, right. it's like no, this no, gradual workup and being able to just start on something even if i think it's awful it, you, i it, my brain works in a way where i'll eventually get like attached to the idea and then it'll matter to me and then i'm going to put out something that i'm happy with yeah i relate to that because i you know i i'll i have stuff like saved on my computer that that i think will never see the light of day but every so often i'll like take another look at it and say oh well Maybe I can go redo this and make it better, and then it becomes like an obsession, and, and I, I can't shake it, and I have to scratch that creative itch and and get it put out into the world. That was something I struggled with actually, is going back and redoing stuff. Is I had this hard drive uh, that I would work mm-hmm. off of everything because we have these awesome MacBook Airs that my school gives, and I'm so grateful for it. But they just don't hold enough storage for Final Cut projects, mm-hmm. and so I would do everything off of this. And over the summer, like every single project I ever had was on there and I dropped the hard drive oh, and gosh. it broke and so, it, it was $2,000 to replace. And I'm like, I can't, I can't pay for that. That's like ridiculous. And, but this is, it's been a blessing for me because I found myself when I was in a creative mood as I wasn't creating new stuff is I was just going back and I was picking my other startup f- 
to pieces. But, th- but there's value to that because it, 100% it, there's practice. Like, yeah. for example, if I taken a picture of something and I, I say, just, I can go back to that spot and do it again because I want to be able to pick up the camera and you know exactly how the settings work. And when somebody asks me to take a photo, I know exactly what they know exactly what they're going to get. There's no, you know, I'm not like fumbling around with the, any of the camera. I can, I can do it. So there's a practice to that. You know, they get that muscle memory, which I think is is incredibly valuable for creativity because that helps get that when that creative spark happens, you can get get it out faster and more efficient. And then it's because then it's gone and it never comes back. Oh, 100%. The level that I was doing at it was was not good for my creative process because I was I was like the script sketch that I was telling you about. I, I would go back and I, it was like milliseconds where I'm like the timing's just a little off here and it just it wasn't helpful to me mm. because the time would have been better spent creating a new sketch because I learned what I wanted to from that sketch and and how I wanted things and it's it's never going to be perfect and so it, it helped me to not have access to that kind of stuff anymore and just be able to like work on writing new things. All right, well, Maxwell, we have been talking now for one hour and four minutes. Wow. You think anybody's going to make it to the end of the show? I, this interview, I this don't discussion? know. That's, that's a good like question. Your mom, my mom will, uh, she even knows about how to find my it. My mom probably will. No, you'll listen to it on the drive back to, uh, to the same yeah. Louis. Well, listen, is there anything, we probably said it all. Have we yeah. said, said too much? I think, I think we've said just the right amount. Is there anything else that you, um, you want to talk, you want to plug? If people want to find you, oh yes, do you, you want to give out your phone number? Yeah, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, my phone number. Uh, no, but my Instagram. Do you even uh, know your own phone number? You don't even need to. Yeah, oh yeah, I know phone. my own phone oh, number. I'm just kidding. Uh, but hold on, follow, I'm gonna follow Maxwell on Instagram. I'm gonna check my Instagram His handle ins- right now. Instagram handle is. Uh, I have my personal one, but I don't want to share that one. I've got my other one. Okay. Uh, is under uh, construction productions. Uh, Hashtag under no uh, at sound, under. At, then an underscore construction productions. Okay. And then you can also find me at my website under construction productions.net under construction productions.net. Everybody go check it out, please. Anything else you want to, to, to talk about? You want to talk a little trash about anybody? Oh, no, no. All right. What are the, um, your brothers? You want to talk, say anything about, no, I'm trying to think who we could talk trash about. Nobody. Yeah. But we'll be good. <laughs> really? Well, let's turn the microphone off and then we'll talk. We'll say, we'll say some bad stuff. Oh yeah. All right, they're off. Go ahead. Oh God, I just, I just hate, um, you know. Oh shit, the microphone's on. Oh no. Who do you hate? You don't hate anybody. Come on, no, it's a horrible word to say. Yeah, I don't really hate anyone. You know who I hate? Who? Nobody. Yeah. No guess. No, don't guess. This is, this is a bad game. It's gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> um. So Maxwell, we'll see you tonight at Thanksgiving dinner. Can't wait. You like Thanksgiving dinner? Oh my God, it's my favorite holiday. Really? Yeah. Do you I like love the food? It. Yeah, yeah and you have to say yes. Does no incredible job nodding your head. You have to say yes. 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 Okay. No, I, I think the ahi tuna thing is so good. Yeah, but that's I look not forward like to that every year. I know, but it's, it's part of it. And then I think the turkey that we do now with where we fry it is just fantastic. Yeah, your dad's into that fried turkey thing. It's huh? so good. It I think it elevates the whole dinner. You think? Yeah. You don't think he's gonna burn the house down? No. Now your dad's got it under control. Yeah. I say about your dad, you know, if anybody's gonna operate on my spine, I would let Doctor Ben Train do it. Yeah, I trust him too. Yeah. He's got a. Does he have a steady hand? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Ben, yeah. I hope it never happens, but if uh, I need some back surgery, I'll call you. Yeah. So this, uh, this, I can never turn off the microphone. This is I, I just want to keep checking it up. Shout out Yucking to up. my dad's steady hands. There you go, to steady hands. Those hands are have made a lot of money. Very important hands. Fixed a lot of backs. Helped a lot of people. Helped a lot of people. Yeah. That's right. Good stuff. Important. Smart guy, your brother. Yeah. Right to your dad. My brother. <laughs> your brother. 
Yeah. He was always very smart. Yeah. He did well. He focused. Very. Uh-huh. Good for him. <laughs> we we kind of ended in no. No, we tail off in that. But we, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I'm a better skier than him. I'll say that. Really? I'll talk a little shit. Oh. I'm a better skier than, than, your, than your dad. See, Hands I, down. I, I think he would, he would push against that. No. Because let me tell you, your dad's good. He can keep up. But when it comes to skiing, especially where we ski, you know, you got to have a little style. And your dad's not so interested in the style. Honestly, I what you know, he you always about. You understand what I'm saying to you? What he always says is that um, uh, good skiing, you gotta have control, and I think yeah, that's that, true. that but, comes from the. But you have to look good doing it. You know, you have to have a. I, I could uh, see that. You know, you have to be. I could see that. Like, wow, he's got some some grace and style, and your brother just fucking goes, man. He's just like your dad. Why do I keep saying your brother? Your dad, like Carson does. Carson's is the same way. He's like he, he's, he's like he's like last. my dad, but he's even more. Crazy with Isn't it. Like exhausting. That's like enough already. We've been skiing for like six or eight hours. It's time, I, to, time that, to take that's a, my inherited from my dad. I could ski for hours. I need like a day off after, but like yeah. I I love it. Like skiing all day is like my favorite thing. Like that's a good we, skill we, to have. When we go in for like lunch, like we all scarf it down and then we just go right back out. Yeah, that's another thing. I have lunch with your dad when he's skiing. He's, he's like, you want to go? You ready to go? You ready to go? Ben, please. I mean, I go to the he's bathroom. anxious. He, he, wants to, he wants to get his, his he money. Like, this week, he goes, <clears throat> shall we? <laughs> right? Is that your dad? I've heard that so many times. Ugh, that is, geez. that like, whew, that was spot on. How does your mom deal with that? Because she's like, she's probably like me. It's like, Ben, enough. They match each other really well because she's also someone who. No, she's a go getter. She doesn't sit down. Yeah. For a and, she, and she values a schedule and the oh, yeah. way that my dad uh, wants to like go out on the slopes is, is, she'll be fine with it as long as there's like a blocked out schedule. And so as long as we're like, adhering to like what we're doing it's mm-hmm. like perfect right. and, and she doesn't always come with us where because because she likes to do some of the easier stuff which i get because yeah, she, she didn't, she your didn't dad grow up wants skiing. to go all the, to the crazy stuff and, and yeah. push it it's gonna get hurt one of these days gotta be careful it's not he's not a young guy anymore yeah he's gonna he's gonna need a surgery on his back god forbid i'm confident in him i i are I, you yeah I, I, he needs I to work he, on his fitness a little bit get that get that oh i think he's he's Pumping. Is he? Is he hitting the gym, hitting the weights? We, we've got the workout room, and he's, he's always on the Peloton, so he loves the Peloton. Right, that's, that's good. All right. Well, Ben, you hear that from your son, Maxwell? Thinks uh, you're in good shape. Good good work, ec- work ethic. Uh, the think. best. Yeah. The best. He doesn't stop. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I'm ready to stop. I'm, I'm exhausted from this conversation. Not for you, just because I'm exhausted. I get that. You do? Yeah, a little bit. All right, listen, we've been, now we've been carrying on. Now everybody's yeah. bored. <laughs> I like to look at myself. Like, you look good. Mm. Look, I, I moved this into the back so you can see. It's fun. It adds a know, little depth to it. a little depth. Yeah, look at you. Yeah. Maxwell, you and I, re- I relate to you because you um, can talk photography and cameras and filming and white balance. How's yeah. the white balance looking? I think, I think pre- I nailed it. pretty good. I don't know. I mean, I you can always this. adjust it later. I adjust. It looks a little bit washed out. Yeah. I don't know. Still learning. <laughs> all right. Well, we've said it all. And, oh, here's how we have to end the show. You know. You know, I brought Jada in here, and Jada said, Dad, when you end the show, here's what I want you to say. <clears throat> Stay calm and slay on. Stay calm and slay on. But you have to look right into the camera. You. Stay calm, slay on. Do you know what that means? Like slay? Yeah. Like, take I think it's, it's, it's like a, like, slay. I, okay, that doesn't, I it really didn't help me understand it any better. Uh... <laughs> See, it's hard. It, it's I, hard to articulate, but I know what it means on like a on a personal. Deeper yeah, level. like it, it's like when like a speaker of a different language talks about um, 
a word that doesn't that doesn't have like a word in English where they're just like I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like a vibe. Hmm. All right, it's a vibe then. Stay yeah. calm and slay on. I don't know what I don't know what vibe, but there is some sort of vibe. I, I think the the best way that I could describe slay is like seize the day. All right, there you go. Go slay. Go slay. Where does that come from? Probably like TikTok. Y- yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. We should but, probably end. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so up, stay calm and slay on. Anybody? All right, anything else? Last words? Next, yeah, last word. I'll give it to you. Stay calm. Oh, I'm going to put the camera on you. Here you go. Here you go. Stay calm. Slay on. All right, here. I'm going to press stop now.